and I want us to pray together. Uh, I keep praying that, like we prayed those lyrics that said, I want to offer my heart completely to you. So I want us to read together this prayer as we're about to open God's word and, and hear from God this morning. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I trust you with all my heart. Help me to not lean on my own understanding. Open my eyes to see you in everything that I do. I trust you to direct my path. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. As you're sitting down and you want to open your Bibles, we are going to be in Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. Um, if you are a guest with us today, I just want to say welcome again. My name is Ben Garcia, and I am the worship pastor here at Hallmark. So normally, I'm the guy with a guitar strapped around my shoulder, and I'm leading the music. But today, I get to preach. Um, and we are preaching through a sermon series called One. And we get the word one from John chapter 17, where Jesus is praying for his disciples. And he prays that they would be one, and that in that unity, in that oneness that the whole world would know and believe that Jesus is God's son and that the world would have their sins forgiven and know Jesus as their savior. In fact, our pastor has challenged us throughout this series to set our alarms for one o'clock to pray for unity, to pray for uh, oneness in our church uh, every day. So do you have your, your alarm set on your phone, on your watch? Anybody? It's not too late. You can do it. We're praying that God would keep us united. Um, we are also in the middle of 40 days of prayer and fasting. Um, the, the prayer that we just prayed, I took it from uh, Proverbs chapter 3, and I just kind of reworked it a little bit to, to be more of a personal prayer for ourselves this morning. So if you're, we're almost to the halfway mark of our 40 days of praying. If you're looking for a way to kind of freshen up your prayers or to do something a little different, pray scripture. Pr uh, go, to, go to the prayers of Jesus, kind of like we're doing with our series and you can pray scripture. But today, we are talking about oneness in community. What do you think of when you hear the word community? Uh, I thought of a couple things. One <clears throat> would be CrossFit. Anyone ever done CrossFit in here? No one has done CrossFit. A few crazy people have done CrossFit. Uh, if you've ever done uh, CrossFit, which is just a, a, it's a gym, it's a place to get fit and lift weights and all that sort of thing, it's an interesting place because they are simultaneously trying to kill you with fitness, but they're the most encouraging, uplifting people I've ever met. I've been there twice. I went with a friend, like on a bring your friend to the gym day or whatever. And by the end of the workout, I'm the last one. And I feel like death, but they're so encouraging that I feel like Rocky just finishing the, finishing the workout at the end. Another community I thought of was the nerd community. Now, I don't mean that to be offensive if you consider yourself a nerd. Because these people, when they get together around their common interests, which might be uh, Star Trek, any Trekkies in the room uh, that want to admit to it, any Star Wars fans, uh, Marvel, it doesn't matter. When they get together, they're dressed up in their favorite costume of their favorite character. They are proud of it, proud of their knowledge. They're proud that they know more about Star Wars than you will ever know. And... Uh, they are joined together by their common interests. But in church world, community is thrown around a lot. 
It could mean everything from getting lunch. We're going to get lunch with our community. It could mean this Sunday morning. It could mean your connect group. Maybe it means a small group. So because it's kind of gotten worn out a little bit, kind of like, you know, like a pop song on the radio, I want to have a definition for us this morning because I'm going to use the word a bunch. Um, and I want to uh, have this definition uh, uh, just kind of be uh, a, a common definition for us today. And so church community uh, is a local and loving collection of people who are committed to Christ and to each other. A local, here in Fort Worth, Crowley, Burleson area, local, loving collection of people who are committed to Christ and to each other. And so this is going to be our definition as we talk about community, because here is the big idea of today. The church needs you. Our church, our local church here, our collection of uh, believers who are committed to Christ and to each other, it needs you. And so we're going to see in Ephesians chapter 4, how Paul describes this to this church and how he describes it to us and how we can be a part of the church. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Um, Paul says, I therefore, <clears throat> a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit, in the bond of peace. Unity, there's that uh, uh, kind of our big theme of our sermon series, but unity uh, in that church and in this church here, it can be difficult. We got people from all walks of life. We got Yankees from the north. We got uh, people, native Texans who think they're better than everybody. We got men, we got women. Um, unity can be difficult to, to have in a church like this. But it's not just unity, that, but it, it's not a verse just about unity. It's how we achieve it. And so if we go to verse 1, it says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So in order to maintain unity, you need to know that you have a calling in your life. You have a purpose. If we look at the Bible as a whole, we see that that purpose is to glorify God with your life and to help other people find and follow Jesus to do the same. Um, <clears throat> so he's urging us, he's strongly suggesting, he's really pleading with us to walk in a manner worthy of that calling. But how do we do it? He's not just talking about behavior, what movies to watch, what music to listen to. He says that we're to do this with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love. But here's the problem, church. You have a stereotype. Just by being here this morning, people have stereotyped you as church folks. Y'all know church folks? Y'all know those church folks? Oh, I don't want to go over there. It's full of church folks. Wait a minute. Are you one of those church folks? Have you all heard something like this? You have been stereotyped because you are a follower of Jesus and you come to church on Sundays and you're not stereotyped with humility. You and I are not stereotyped with gentleness, and for sure we're not stereotyped with patience. Now, I'm not saying it's fair, and I'm not even accusing you of, uh, of this. It's just how it is from, from, from people getting hurt by the church, from leaders falling from grace in the church. But if we're going to have unity, if we're going to have uh, uh, come together for one goal of glorifying God and making him known to our world, we have to walk in a manner worthy of our calling with humility, not pride. 
we have to walk with gentleness and not uh, having an, a, a, a harsh attitude with people and patience. We are to bear with one another in love. The problem with bearing with one another is if you're going to bear with me, you got to know me. And if I'm going to bear with you, you I got to know you. And I tell you, if we go out to lunch together, I might find some things out about you. I might find out that there's maybe some marital issues, maybe financial issues. I might find out that you're an Eagles fan or a Green Bay fan. I see some green over here. But if we spend enough time together, uh, our dirty laundry is going to be aired. And we have, for those of us who've grown up in church especially, we have learned we are professionals about coming to church and hiding all of that. But Paul's saying, if you do it in love, then come on. If you're doing it in love, if I know that you love me, then, then, then that's, that's, uh, you can know all of my dirty laundry. You can be a part of my business. If you're not doing it in love, then you know what? Mind your own. I don't need that. I don't need more church folks coming in trying to get in my business just so they can spread it around the church through prayer requests. You laugh because you know it's true, man. I just want to lift prayer for Ben. I hear he's having issues. But if you're doing it in love, if I, if I see you living a life of humility and with gentleness, if I see you having patience with other people in our church and you want to you bear with me my burdens, you want to walk with me through my problems, then let's do it. Because God, uh, Paul is telling us, the Bible would tell us that that is how we maintain unity. One thing that, that, uh, that hurts our unity, oh, by the way, I'm new to this, I'm sorry. Our first point is walk in community. But if we're going to walk in community, um, one thing that is a, a unity and a community killer is unforgiveness. Don't say yes too soon because you, you might have some in your heart. This is a hard one. Um, when we have unforgiveness in our heart, it stops us from wanting to unite with other people because trust can be broken in this room. I'm telling you, if, if you bear my burdens, if you're living your life with me, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to offend you. You are going to offend me. And so there's going to be some conflict in the room. There's going to be some hurt feelings in the room. And so many times in church world, we are more prone to just sit on the other side of the sanctuary than have reconciliation with each other. But I'm telling you, that is a unity killer. In fact, we see in Matthew chapter 6, this is a really terrifying verse. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Praise God and amen to that. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. An equally scary verse is in 1 Peter chapter 3, where uh, he's talking to husbands. And I'm not here to preach, preach to husbands or wives this morning, but here's the thing. It says, Husbands, live with your wife in an understanding way so that your prayers will not be hindered. If, husbands, if you're living, your wife, living with your wife in a harsh, in, impatient way, impatient, your prayers are hindered. So here's what I'm saying. If we in the body have unforgiveness, um, Sin, unrepentant, unconfessed sin in our heart doesn't change our status in our salvation with God, but it sure does change our relationship. Kind of like when you have a fight with your wife or your husband 
Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't make you not married anymore, but there sure is some, some awkwardness in the air. The relationship isn't right. And so for us to have unity, we need to have forgiveness because we're going we're gonna to walk on, on each other's toes. It's just going to happen, guys. We have so many different ways of life represented in this room. Um, but if, if you're walking in love and if we're forgiving one another, living in humility, it says to be eager to maintain the unity. I'm not just going to do it out of duty because I'm a Christian. i got to go to church. i got to stay united. No, I'm going to be eager. I'm going to look for opportunities to forgive. When, when you might have hurt my feelings, it probably isn't on purpose. Maybe it is, but regardless, I'm going to say, you know what? I love you so much. I'm going to look for opportunities to forgive. And when I offend someone else, I'm going to initiate apology so that we have unity in our body. And so we are to walk in community. Next is we are to protect the community. Now let me tell you right now, I'm going to skip to verse 11. Verses 4 through 10, when John gave me this scripture to preach, there's like 10 different sermons in this passage, okay? And especially in verses 4 through 10. But I'm not going to get that to that today for the sake of my main point here. So we're going to skip to verse 11. And this is what it says. <coughs> and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. So first of all, how do we protect our community? We have leaders. <clears throat> he gives us a quick list of apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Um, we find uh, another list over in, um, in 1 Corinthians 12. He gives us a whole list of different types of leaders in the church. He gives us a list of different types of gifts that we have in our church. But what is the point of these leaders? It's to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Now, a couple of things. I, I don't believe that Paul is talking about our Sunday morning four walls here. Because he said, uh, walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Our walk is our everyday life, how we live uh, uh, as Christ is our Savior. So, if we fast forward to this part and that he's given us leaders, he's given us gifts, that means it's not just talking about our full-time paid staff here at our church, but he's talking about you because why? The church needs you. And you've been gifted with certain things. Some of you are excellent teachers and are able to make God's word uh, um, accessible to everybody. Some of you are gifted teachers to children, which is a whole other gift to, to, to bring children and, and teach them the gospel and how they can know and follow Jesus. Some of you have a gift of shepherding and, and you're able to take God's word and, and make it practical and guide people to making spiritual, uh, to, in spiritual growth and making godly decisions in their life. Some of you are just good listeners. You can sit over a cup of coffee and cry and laugh and pray with people. But he's given you these gifts to equip other people to do what you do. There's work to be done. It says, for the work of ministry. There is stuff to be done, and we need you to train other people to do what you do. We have gifted teachers, but teachers, who are you teaching to teach? 
Leaders, who are you teaching to lead? Mom and dad, you have children in your home, especially once they made the decision to, to give their lives to Jesus, to, to accept that free gift of salvation. You are to equip the saints, even your little ones, for the work of ministry. And how are you doing that? How are you multiplying yourself? Another way of saying it would be is we are leaders who want to make leaders. And a more personal way of here at Hallmark to say is we are disciples making disciples who make more disciples. But this isn't just a strategy on how to grow your church. Um, the reason we do this is found in verse 14. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Now, so we, we create leaders who create more leaders because there's some tricky stuff out there. There is false gospels out there. Now, this isn't talking about the scary, hardcore rock music with the guys with the horns on their head and blood coming out of their mouth and they're seating, singing about satanic things. And this isn't the, the, the terrible like darkness of pornography and, and human trafficking. All those things we can see coming from a mile away. They're dark, they're ugly, they're satanic, they're from the pit of hell. And we can guard from those things. But this is talking about the sneaky stuff. This is talking about men and women in our world who would take God's word, stand on a stage before people, and manipulate God's word for their own personal gain. We see that a lot in this thing we call the prosperity gospel. That God loves you, God has a plan for you, and if you give me $10,000, check your mailbox tomorrow. It's going to be doubled. It's going to be tripled. Ten times over, twenty times over. If you support my ministry, God's going to support you. And it's all about money and greed. It's a distorted view of God's word. It is human cunning. It is craftiness. It is deceitful schemes. In Galatians, Paul is, is, is at this church. He helps build this church. He goes away and then he hears that the people at this church are starting to listen to those things. He says in Galatians, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there, is, there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Um, th there are people who, who are very tricky and, th and they use God's word in really sneaky ways. And, and the way to guard against that is that we train up leaders to show us we train up leaders who can point out to our younger people, hey, that's not entirely true. That doesn't line up with God's word. If we're not training leaders, one day when our present leaders move on, who's going to protect us from the false gospels of this world? Who's going to protect us from human cunning, from craftiness, from deceitful schemes? We need, the church needs you, leaders, teachers, shepherds, moms, dads, the church needs you, students, to protect our community by training and equipping others for the work of ministry. So we have walk in community, protect the community, and finally grow up in community. This comes from verse 15. And it says, rather, so rather, rather than being tricked, 
Rather than falling for all this uh, cunning and deceitful schemes, rather than doing that, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Um, I grew up in church, and I did uh, backyard Bible clubs. Anybody do those? Anybody ever learn stories with a flannel board? Boy, my mom and dad were the king at flannel boards. My mom used to paint her own flannel boards, if I can brag on you a bit, Mom. She used to have classes on how to teach other people how to paint flannel boards so that they could teach other people. Um, I was the king at those. And if it came to a, a review game, if you were on my team, you're winning the review game. I don't know remember what the prize was, but I was good at it. Uh, my brother and sister were good at it. Um, I went to VBS every year. Even now, I still am going to VBS. Uh, I was in uh, Easter Place, Christmas Place. I've been Jesus. I've been a Roman soldier. I've been tax collectors and Pharisees and all sorts of musicals that you can think of because I grew up in church. But the problem with growing up in church sometimes, the, the danger is that we fall back on those same memory verses, on those same Bible stories, and we don't mature. We don't grow up to, to more mature ways of living for Christ. We we, we fall back on that. And I'm telling you, if, if you're doing that, you're not maturing in your faith. And I dare say, and, and I'm gonna, it, it could be harsh, but I'm saying it to myself, you're a lazy Christian. Now, now I'm not saying that to guilt you into, oh, you got to read your Bible more, oh, you got to pray more. But if you truly have a passion for what Jesus has done in your life, if you truly feel it in your heart that the only way to, for, for our world to be forgiven and find a, a rest and, and a new life is in Jesus Christ, then why would I just settle for my, for my Bible stories I learned as a child? Because as a child, I'll tell you what, Noah's Ark isn't that scary. As a child, you got a little giraffe poking his head out of the ark. You know what I'm talking about? That, that always bothers me a little bit. You see a, little, a friendly little rhino sitting on the side of the ark, but they never show the people floating around in the water. It's kind of funny, but it's also terrifying at the same time that our sin could cause God to bring his wrath down on us. That because of the wages of sin is death and eternal separation from God. And if I believe that the gift of God is, is, is through Jesus Christ, then I can't just rely on what I learned on as a kid. But here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. If I'm going to grow up, I need you to speak the truth to me in love. So many times, uh, my wife and I have talked about this, like when we were young and married and we knew everything back then. Man, I wish someone would have said, hey guys, can, can I just sit you down? Y'all are awesome. Y'all are great. But have you thought about this? I wish someone would have pulled me down every now and then and said, hey Ben, uh, thank you for singing it up on stage. But hey, I notice you're making some poor decisions in your life in this area. But this goes back to what we I talked about with bearing, the tr bearing with one another in love. If you're speaking the truth to me in love, it's going to hurt. But I know that you're already walking in a manner worthy of, of the calling to which you've been called. I know that you're living your life with humility and gentleness and patience. So when it comes, comes time for you to maybe say something that hurts, I know you're doing it in love. Now, church, I, 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 there's one area, this, this for sure, this specific thing is not specifically in the Bible, but this, unfortunately, can be seen uh, in, on Facebook. 
in social media. That unfortunately, church, we are starting to be known for typing our truth with not that much love. And even if you're loving, I'm telling you, when you're typing all that stuff out, it's hard to see. No one can tell by your, the letters that you're typing that you love them. And so we're just on there, and I can't believe you believe this, and how dare you share this, and, and oh, if only you knew God the way I know God, and if you, if, you, if you really love the Scriptures like I love the Scriptures, well, then you would never, like, it just gets really messy, and we're not representing Christ on social media. And so can I challenge you with, with, with a testimony? A few months ago, um, I posted something to Facebook. And uh, the next day, Pastor Dave came up to me and said, hey, bro, I don't know if you want to be posting that to Facebook. And I was like, man, Dave, give me a break, man. It's just this. It's just that. But I know that Dave loves me. You know what? He didn't sit there on the comment section and say, Ben, this is a poor representation of Christ. And how dare you as a Christian have your testimony be sullied by this piece of filth that you... No, he came to me the next day and I saw him in his eyes. And I saw him in the the sound of his voice that he loved me and he was looking out for me as a brother in Christ. And you know what? My feelings got hurt, but I took it down. Who cares? I took it down because I knew he was speaking the truth to me in love. Can I challenge you, as you represent Christ on the internet, to edit, to think, how am I speaking the truth in love? Do I even know this person? Because what social media, social media does, it just mirrors what we're already living our life. It just shows us who we are. And unfortunately, if we're not seeking to, to speak the truth in love, then, then we're not representing Christ and we're not building up the church because when we speak the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. <clears throat> we're to grow up in our community. Um, as we've been reading these close to 16 verses, it can seem like Paul's giving us a to-do list. Like Paul's saying, guys, you better learn how to act in church. You better learn how to, how to do this and do that. But here's the thing. Paul started this whole letter by telling us who we are in Christ. That's why he set it up that way. He sets up in the first few chapters who we are in Christ. In fact, if you turn... Back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Up here, there it is. He starts off the letter and he says, For by grace you have been saved, through faith, through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. This is a, a great memory verse. This is a verse that we actually talk about a lot here in our church. But it's so important to remember, like John said earlier, the grace that we live in and that we receive is a free gift. I did nothing for it. So, so all that we've been talking about this, in this chapter, all the ways that we should live as a community and, and, and challenge each other, it's not in order to receive our salvation, but it's coming from the inspiration and passion of our salvation. Because I have been saved, I want to live my life in a way that is, makes Christ um, 
that makes Christ known to everyone, that makes Christ's love felt by everyone. Um, so our salvation comes first. This, this gift of grace comes first. And then he gets to it later and says that if we do these things, if we live in such a way that our, the body of Christ is going to grow, we see in verse 16, um, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, some of y'all may have made a New Year's resolution to exercise. Anybody willing to admit? I see some, 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 some short hands. Uh, no, I'm not going to hold you accountable to this. You can quit anytime you want. But here's the thing. I, I have some bad news for you fitness, uh, fitness people. You're not going to see results till like July. I'm sorry. Or maybe April, depending on how hard you're going to work at it. But, but, but you still have to, if you want those results, you have to show up every day and do the work. And it's going to be hard. And, it's gonna, it, it, no one, and no one cares about that work. No one, no one wants to go and see you lift weights and struggle on a treadmill. But you have to show up to get the results you want. It's, you, we don't see the growth. We just show up to do the work. Uh, when, when I first, my wife and I had our first um, child, Adeline, um, people would come up to us and say, oh, she's so beautiful. Just treasure this time. It's going to go by so fast. Oh, you know, you're going to blink, and the next thing you know, she's going to be in college. I'm like, man, would you, uh, thank you, but I'm just trying to get some sleep. I'm trying to get my wife some sleep. I appreciate it. But you know what happened? I blinked, and I got an eight-year-old. She's about to be nine this year. Not only that, but I got three other kids. Oops. And my, my newborn is not a newborn anymore. He's trying to walk and climb things and hurt himself. I'm telling you, we don't see the growth, but we've shown up every day. We made the lunches. We changed the diapers. We put them to bed. We woke them up. We don't see growth. You just show up every day to do the work. And so here in, in these verses, in, in verse 16, when, when each part is working properly, when you're doing your work personally and you're seeking after Christ in your personal life, and then you're, you're, you're sharing that, what you've learned and what you're, how you're changing with, with our community, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And once again, love is the proof. When we are bearing with one another in love, when we are speaking the truth to one another in love, then God is going to grow our church community in love. This is a great, a great memory verse to, to remember, John 13, 35. By this, all people will know that you are my, my disciples if you have love for one another. Church, how are you loving? Uh, I felt convicted as I was studying for this that this includes my kids. How am I loving my kids? This isn't just like, you know, love your neighbor. Like my, my kids are my neighbor now. Spouses, how are you loving your husband? How are you loving your wife? Because that's going to carry over in how you love your neighbor, how you love me, how you love the person sitting next to you. And so we're to grow up in our community. One of, the, one of the ways we can grow up and live a life of love is by being honest. P part of all this growth is that we're honest with one another. We're honest with ourselves. But can I challenge you to be honest with God? You know, last week, like I mentioned before, 
um, Pastor John asked us, challenged us to be in the Bible more, to read God's word. And, and if, if you're not seeking humility, you're not seeking Christ, that could be like, well, of course Pastor John wants me to read the Bible. He's the pastor of the church. Big surprise. What's next week? We should pray more? Yeah, obviously. That's what pastors do. But if you were honest with the Lord and said, God, here's the thing. This can be boring sometimes, God. Would you give me a passion for your word? Uh, we went through Haggai, Haggai today, this morning, in Connect Group. I, I guarantee you that's the first time some of y'all read the book of Haggai. And maybe you can come to the Lord and say, God, I don't get Haggai. Would you open my heart? Would you open my mind and, and give me a passion for your word? Obadiah is a tough read. Ecclesiastes is a giant downer. God, would you give me a passion for it? I got to be honest, Lord, it's hard to read this sometimes. It's hard to get up in the morning. I fall asleep. My phone falls on my face because I'm trying to read it at night. Give me a passion for your word. As we're in the 40 days of prayer, would you be honest with God and say, God, my prayers, I don't feel like it's doing anything, Lord. I feel dry in my prayers. I feel like I'm just... I'm just talking to the wind. God, would you just renew my spirit? Would you give me uh, um, rest and peace to know that you are not only are you listening, but you're going to answer my prayers? Would you be honest and say, God, I want unity in my church, but man, I got this unforgiveness in my heart. They hurt me so bad, I can't get over it. I need you to show me how I can come to this person. Would you be honest with the Lord and, and God's going to honor that? And God will grow us up into community. Um, if you don't, if, if you haven't yet given your life to Jesus, if you haven't made that choice to follow Jesus with your life, you can be a part of this community. As we said before in Ephesians 2, it's a gift. It's by grace that we're saved. It's by grace that we have our sins forgiven. Because even though people might think that we have it all together in here, Pastor John said earlier, we don't. It's by grace that we're saved. It's only through the cross that we have forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And if you haven't made that decision in your life, today is the day to do it. Be a part of our community. Give your life to Jesus. Say, God, I am a sinner. I have made poor choices in my life, and I've paid the consequences for those choices. So, God, would you forgive my sins and come into my life? Um, What we're going to do here in a second, uh, something we do at Hallmark and, and kind of in church world is, When we open God's word, it calls us to act. It calls us to do something. So if you felt in your heart that God's calling you to move, to change, we're going to have some of our leaders up here on the front row. And and would you just come down and ask them to pray with you? Maybe you're interested in in what it looks like to follow Jesus. Would you just come down and pray? Um, Coming down to the front, it's it's nothing uh, uh, especially religious or magical it's just a way to say that i've heard the god's word and i'm ready to make a change and i need help doing it and so i'm as the band comes up they're going to start playing there's there's the call there if if you haven't given your life to jesus would you come but i believe this specific scripture is for those who have already given their life to jesus it's for you church member it's for you christian and if you have felt god calling you to be honest today to be honest in your christianity would you come to the front and just, just take care of business with the Lord? Be honest with him. Say, I have unforgiveness in my heart. I, I have been a part of the gossip that's 
brought disunity in our church. God, would you forgive me? God, I'm having trouble in my, in my quiet times. I'm having trouble in my Bible reading. God, I need your help. And we can pray together that God would build our life to be more like Jesus. Another one of the stereotypes we have in church is that if I come to the front, everyone's going to know I got something going on. Let us bear, bear that burden with you. Let us bear that burden with you in love because we love you. God loves you, and we are so glad that you're a part of this community. Can we stand and worship? Father, I pray that as we sing, you would continue to tug at our heart. Expose our hearts this morning. Expose our sins. Show us how we can change to be more like Jesus and that we can build this community up in love and to to bring others to, to find and follow Jesus here in our Fort Worth community. We love you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.